today is actually the fifth in our series in Ephesians. And for the first time, Paul actually begins to talk a little bit about himself in this passage um, that we've read today. Paul, as we know, is in prison. He has uh, actually had this very circuitous journey from Jerusalem to Rome. And he is now under house arrest and is actually in a pretty dire situation. And obviously for the Ephesians, because this is is like their spiritual daddy, um, he's the one that has helped them to come to faith. Um, He is someone that is really significant in their lives, someone that they love greatly. And in chapter 3, he begins to talk about something that will be very much in their minds. What is going on here? Why has this happened to you? Why, although you're this really great guy, has, have these bad things began to happen in your life? And so Paul speaks, first of all, and he says, I am the prisoner of Christ Jesus. So if we move the slides on. So in human terms, um, he was actually the prisoner of the Emperor Nero. That was the guy that was in charge in Rome at this point in history. And Nero is a bit of a, an interesting character. He's a little bit like this other character um, that we all know very well. He was a bit, a bit here and there. He, he'd done lots of, of, of dodgy stuff. He wasn't a guy that you would really trust. And this was the guy in human terms that Paul was actually under his power and was going to be under his judgment ultimately as well. But Paul doesn't say, I am the prisoner of Emperor Nero. He says, I am the prisoner of Christ Jesus. And in this passage, he begins to talk and to explain what God's purposes were in him actually having to end up in Rome and ending up in this apparently dreadful situation. And one of the things that I I want us to think about this morning, or this afternoon, keep on saying this morning, this afternoon, is about the fact that sometimes we can end up in situations which are not of our choosing. Um, Not because of things that we've done badly or done wrong, but simply because of what life has thrown our way. And what we want to say, first of all, today is, as Paul did, is that God is sovereign. God is in charge and he is in control. And writing to another bunch of Christians in Rome, he wrote this. For we know that God will make all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. And so this afternoon, if you are feeling under the cosh, if you're feeling that life is actually really, really tough, we've got a God that we can trust completely, who even in the midst of those situations, he actually will see us through. Paul had a lot of experience of things going wrong. And so um, this picture that we just popped up here is reminding us of a time in Acts 16, Whenever Paul and his colleague Silas, who were actually going on a missionary journey to Philippi, ended up getting beaten up really badly by the authorities and thrown in prison. And so the natural reaction to that would be to feel really justifiably racked off and quite upset and really quite upset about God as to why God has let this thing happen. But as we read on in the story, at about midnight... Paul and Silas were doing what? What does it say that they were doing? What were they doing about midnight? Were they grumbling? Yeah, they were giving thanks and they were praising God. 
And all of the other prisoners around them were actually listening to them and watching them. And so Paul writes a little bit later on about how we need to give thanks in all circumstances, in the good and in the bad, that we need to remember how much God has done for us. And for us, as we face difficult situations in our lives, we have a choice to make. And we can either choose to let those things completely blow us off course and for us to go under the, under the caution, for those things to stop us trusting God, or we can choose that, no, we are going to thank God and we're going to praise him. And this is not easy. Thankfully, he has put his Holy Spirit within us to enable us to do that. And we also have the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us to do that as well as we go through those difficult times. But he calls us to make that choice to say, God, this is hard, this is tough, but I trust you. I thank you for everything you've done for me. And I trust you for what is going to be the future. And I know that you will work things out for the best. Paul then goes on in the next few verses to talk about mysteries. Okay. So in our, in our language, um, Ephesians was not written in English. It was written in Greek. Um, and so some of the words are a little bit um, sort of, because mystery for us is, what's this van? Does anybody know what that van is? And who drives the mystery machine? Fred. And what's the show called that this is in? Scooby-Doo. Correct. Scooby-Doo, which has been going forever. Um, well done, Tom. Um, so with, with this, this is what we think about mysteries, isn't it? They go, and these pesky kids, as they're generally referred to, actually go and solve a mystery as to something that has happened that um, turns out to, to not be right. And... <coughs> That's, that's what we do. So murder mysteries is the other thing that we think about a lot whenever it was mystery. But what this word actually means is something slightly different in this context. And it's a little bit like this picture at the end, which is of a secret being revealed. And it's like whenever you become part of an organisation or of a group, that you suddenly begin to find out stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So Joel at the moment... I didn't say I was going to say this about Joel. There's a couple of things I'm going to say about people today, but they're all good, so it's okay. So Joel at the moment is actually working for us at, um, at the opticians. And um, one of the things is Joel has known about what goes on sort of in the opticians for many years, but it's actually different going in there and being part of the workforce and seeing what happens behind the scenes and seeing what goes on. And it's a little bit like that. Whenever we become Christians... Um, we're let into this new way of actually seeing things and this new way of doing things. And what Paul um, says to us here, so we've jumped, need to jump back. Sorry, if we can go back, because this is too early for this one. Okay. So what Paul begins to talk about here in this passage is about this wonderful mystery that has been revealed to him through the Holy Spirit in his life. And what that mystery is all about is the fact that people who are not Jewish, people who have come from lots of different colours and backgrounds and statuses, through what Jesus has done, are able to come in to God's family, not as second-class citizens, not as also-rans, but as fully-fledged sons and daughters of the living God, and through what Jesus has done. 
This was something completely new because in the Old Testament it talked about how God's people were going to bless the nations of the world. But they didn't think of it like that. They thought they would do some nice things for the people of the, of, of the world. But what this was about is something radically different where people could actually come into relationship with God and where they could become fully fledged um, sons and daughters, fully fledged citizens of, of the kingdom with all the rights, with all the privileges and with all the responsibilities of actually being part of God's family. We can now go to the next slide. Um, so what we need to take on board is no matter what our family circumstances, no matter how dysfunctional they were, no matter what the colour of our skin, no matter how rich or how poor we were, no matter how good or how, how bad we were, that through what Jesus has done, he has brought us into this, uh, this new family with him. He has made us his sons and his daughters. And we have all the privileges and all the responsibilities that come with that. Isn't that fantastic news? Isn't that something to get really excited about? Paul said this was a tremendous privilege that he had got this message that he wanted to tell the Ephesians and he wanted to tell the whole world about what God had done in his life. The second thing that Paul then says is that he'd, he, God, had given him a job to do. Who's this guy? Do you, anybody recognise that person? Alan Sugar a few years ago. Alan Sugar a few years ago. Yes, this was probably this was probably the Sir Alan Sugar rather than the Lord Alan Sugar stage. <laughs> um, and as you know from the show, you got all these people competing to actually get an offer of a job. At the moment, it's actually not even a job; it's it's, it's basically a stake in his in, in a financial stake from him and for him to become their partner. And they think it is a tremendous privilege for them to be able to actually get that job. It's, it's like a, an opportunity of a lifetime for them. It's something that is really fantastic. We may not think that ourselves, but that's what they think. The people competing in this really want to get this. And for Paul, whenever God called him out and said, I want you to go and to actually speak this message to the Gentiles, to tell them the good news about what Jesus has done, Paul said this is a tremendous privilege and I'm not actually worthy of this because as he writes in here he says I wasn't anything special and um, in fact um, as we're going to think about a little bit later on he was actually somebody that almost had disqualified himself because he was completely against um, Christians he was completely against God's people um, but yet God called him to come and to actually speak this message out so sometimes we can think that's okay for someone like the Apostle Paul, who is, let's face it, a spiritual superstar. But that doesn't apply to the likes of me, um, because um, <coughs> I, I'm just quite ordinary. I'm, I'm nothing special. And what we want to say this morning, is, or this afternoon, is this, is that um, we believe as KCC, and Wayne actually said this a, a, a month or so ago, that whenever we become Christians, whenever we become followers of Jesus, God puts his Holy Spirit 
He comes and lives in each one of our lives. And he doesn't come empty-handed, as my mother would say. He actually comes with gifts. And so he's given to each one of us abilities, talents, and spiritual gifts that he wants us to use to bless one another, to bless the church, and to bless um, the community here in Kenilworth and beyond and beyond beyond. You are not an exception. Every last one of us have been given these gifts and abilities. For some of you here this afternoon, you will already know what God has called you to. You will already know what he is actually saying. Yep, this is what I want you to do. For other people, you're still working that out. And what I'd encourage you to do is to actually ask people around you, and particularly in home groups is a really good place to do this, just to pray for you and say, I really would like to know what God's plan for my life is, what God's purpose for my life is at this time. And that may change. It changes a little bit as we go along in life. But have people, because very often others, as they listen to God along with you, can actually hear and can see things in your life that really helps them and really helps you to discover what God wants for you. So please be encouraged to do that. Because as this passage that we have already looked at in Ephesians 2.10 says, as we have come to faith, God has prepared stuff for us to do. He's prepared work that he wants us to do. We're not just sitting around in some waiting room waiting for heaven to come. God has got things that he wants us to do things that will actually bless us and that will make us a blessing to other people. And that's what he wants us to to actually move into. So this good news that Paul was called to deliver, he actually uses three different ways of describing this. The first is the word announce. And that's what the sort of Greeky bit in, uh, in verse 8 talks about, is this announcing of the good news. The second one, is enlighten, um, which is in verse 9. I'm going to think about these a little bit more in a second. And then the final one was really demonstrate. And this is what's talking about these spiritual powers that the church actually is showing, not just in words, but in the way that it is, um, in the very nature of it, what God has done, what God has achieved. So let's think about these three things. First of all, announce. So the first thing is, that we want to say, as KCC, we want to bless one another. Um, It's really good that we can actually have a church that sort of meets in our locality, that we can actually encourage one another in in moving on and growing and developing. But right from the very beginning, one of the things that we want to be really central and core in what we do is that we want to reach out to the community out there and not just in Kenilworth, but beyond that, because lots of us um, sort of live and actually work elsewhere and are involved in other things, but that we are going to be bringing this good news, this wonderful message that we've been reading about in Ephesians over these last five weeks, this wonderful good news to people that are around us out there, that we want to be part of that. So the questions are, how can we do this in an effective way? How can this become a normal pattern for us as individuals? Not one-off things, but something that just becomes part of our everyday lives. And also, how can this become a normal pattern for us as a church? 
that again is something that is just part of what we do that we want to engage with and we want to communicate the gospel with people around us. So announcing. Um, what sorts of things do we normally announce? Births. Births, yeah. Um, going back 16 years ago, um, Thomas was born. And at that stage we had um, the opticians here in town. We didn't have it for the other two. And one of our staff actually put an announcement notice in the front window to say that Thomas had been born. And a lady actually last week reminded me about that and said, how's your son doing? He must be about 10 now. I said, no, that was 16 years ago. Um, but that's the sort of thing that we announce. What other things do we announce? We announce births, engagements. So, um, and we make it really public. So these are things that we want everyone out there to know about. Um, we want to actually communicate that really effectively and well to people. And so this good news that God has given to us, we want to get that out there that people will actually hear it and will know it and will be able to engage with it. Um, this may not be the way to do it. Town crier, number two option here, um, where um, in years past, that was something that lots of people did, was stand on the street corners and preach the gospel. And, and sometimes that can be something that works, but sometimes it, it's not. And certainly we don't want to be like this guy at the end. And because he was announcing and communicating information to this other guy, but you don't get the impression that it was very well received. Um, so it was a bit of a dodgy thing. So we need to get um, to learn ways that we can actually communicate the gospel effectively and that will engage with people around us. So we need to think about those things. So the second bit is enlighten. And so... The first bit of that is to be able to communicate effectively in a way that people can understand, that people can actually know what you're talking about and what you're saying. And this passage, which is very well known in 1 Peter 3.15, actually talks about us being ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. And so this is something that we need to think about a little little bit. We need to, to think about how can we do that. But I think one of the really helpful things that we can do is actually to start telling people our story about what has happened. And Paul, obviously, as we read in this passage, had told the Ephesians a few times about his story, about how he came to faith on the Damascus Road. It was really encouraging because we shared um, as a home group um, a few weeks back um, how some of us became Christians. And that was really encouraging because we're all slightly different and because we are all slightly different. But it was really good just to hear how God had worked in people's lives at different stages so they came to faith. And so I think it's something is really good for us to do to actually encourage one another by sharing our story. But also for people outside, they assume that we're born Christians, that we actually are just Christians because our family were Christians or it just is the way we've always been. And so for them to actually hear how we came to faith is something that immediately changed their thinking about what is going on. And so I think we need to be looking for opportunities to share our story. And often as well, it is much more um, acceptable for people to hear what God has done in your life rather than you sort of saying, okay, this is what God should be doing in your life. 
Um, and sometimes people can receive that a little bit more easily. So we need to be communicating that. But also what this word enlightened talks about is really about the fact that for many people who have not yet come to faith, they're a little bit like this little fellow here. They're wandering around blindfolded, not quite able to see what is going on, not able quite to understand what God has done. And again, one of the the folks that shared a testimony um, uh, in home group was saying, I'd heard about all this, this gospel stuff and it just didn't make any sense. It just just didn't get it. And I'm, I was a really intelligent person. It wasn't that, I mean, I had learning difficulties or anything like that. But it just didn't make sense. And then one day, it made sense. And on that day, that's when I decided, yep, I'm going to actually commit to following Jesus. And so, for people, they need God's Holy Spirit to be at work in their lives to do this to cut the blindfold from them so that they can actually see the truth, that they can see their need of salvation, that they can see their need for a relationship with God. And what they can see is that they're in danger, that they need salvation, that they need to actually have God rescue them and come into their lives. So for us, um, we need to be people And again, this whole thing is not a weird concept. This is in Corinthians where we read about the veil is going over people's eyes and the blindness need to be lifted. What we need as believers to do is to actually be people who pray consistently and with perseverance for those folk around us in our families, in our neighbourhoods, in our friendship groups, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, who actually need to know Jesus, that God by his Holy Spirit will actually open their eyes and let them see him. And that was Paul's experience. That was his experience that transformed him from being a Christian hater and a a Christian basher and to being someone who actually was wanting to to spread the good news was as God revealed himself to him. Okay. And the final bit... Um, that Paul talks about here is that we need to be people who demonstrate this Um, and he talks specifically about the church about the church demonstrating to the powers um, the principalities and powers of evil through its existence through its fact that these barriers have been broken down between Jews and Gentiles between slaves and free between men and women that it demonstrates the power of the gospel it demonstrates the power of God to change people's lives And so we need to be people that live this out in our lives, that we need to be people that do this. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. So we need to have that quality between us, that we love and care for one another, that we can actually do this. He also tells us this, um, you need to love your enemies as well. And this is really hard because there's some people that really are not very nice and that really get on our nerves, and that really do nasty things to us. And what Jesus said is, no, even those people need to love. And that's the difference between you and them, is the fact that that you can love them, and you're actually showing that to be different. And this, again, is love in action. So finally, um, this may all seem like quite hard work. And again, what Jesus was talking to folk about, whenever they felt really burdened down by lots of stuff that they were being asked to do, is that he says, nope, what I'd like you to do 
is actually come with all your heavy loads and thinking, I have to do this by myself, I have to do this and this and this and this, and to let go of that and to actually come alongside me. And the yoke picture, which is the next one, this is the sort of thing where we partner with God, where he is in our lives. We don't go off and do the stuff ourselves and come back and talk to God about it. God goes with us. By his Holy Spirit, he goes with us and he enables us to actually do these things. He enables us to actually be different for him. And we can partner with him as we let him do that. So let's not feel weighed down um, this afternoon, but let us be encouraged to actually bring this good news that we have been entrusted uh, by God to bring to this community around us.